bear with me. Um, Today I'll be reading from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. And it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, that was, that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> I, maybe you've had a week like mine and it feels a little bit like, uh, maybe you had a really good week. I hope you have. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, lovely spring weather we're having in Roanoke in February. Okay. Um, uh, so my week's been kind of, uh, so I'm going to talk about something that I enjoy. What's your favorite breakfast food? Bacon's gotten two shouts out. Sausage balls, that's a good one, yeah. So, uh, or do you have a food that you associate uh, with a special holiday or occasion? Maybe a, a type of cake you pick out for your birthday or uh, the way that your mom made uh, stuffing or something like that. Uh, I'm married into a family that marks special occasions and not so special occasions by food. Uh, Sarah's family is big into food. And so anytime we vi- visit... Uh, it, there's an abundance of food, and most days are planned around meals. Uh, if you come to a, the Potter household on Christmas, there are more desserts than you know what to do with, which I still, have been in this family now 18 years, find overwhelming. <laughs> there are tins and tins and ch- chocolates and fudges, and it's, it's incredible. And one of the foods that is made quite often, it doesn't necessarily mark a special occasion, just that we're visiting, is uh, waffles. Sunday morning, my father-in-law, Gene, gets up early, and he has this tub of waffle mix that he's mixed up himself, and he mixes up the batter, and he spends a good chunk in the morning putting the batter on the waffle iron and then cooking it and pulling it off, and then there's uh, a, a lot of toppings um, that you can put on it, blueberries, strawberries, syrup, whipped cream. It's getting a little, it's gotten more and more abundant as the years have gone on. And so we as a family have carried on this tradition of waffles. We've been given uh, the Potter family waffle recipe. And so we quite often mix up batter. And we enjoy this food together. We enjoy it for breakfast. We enjoy it for dinner. I don't know if there's a better dinner in the world than breakfast for dinner. This feels like you're breaking rules, and it feels so good, and it tastes so delicious. Uh, but waffles, if you look at the recipe, they're a relatively simple recipe. I counted this week. There are seven ingredients. And it's nothing fancy. It's nothing you got to go uh, to a special aisle in the store to find. But also, those ingredients, if you were to take them on their own, most of them don't taste that great 
on their own. Flour, baking soda, raw eggs, vegetable oil, if eaten individually, are disgusting. And yet, when we combine them, when we stir them up, and we measure just right, a little bit of salt, a little sugar, and some milk, and then we bake them, you have an incredibly delicious meal, an incredibly delicious waffle. Together, these ingredients that on their own are quite gross, together they make something delicious. I made the mistake once of forgetting salt. And it's just a teaspoon of salt. It's not a lot. And we all sat there eating the waffles, kind of looking at each other like, something is wrong. And it occurred to us about halfway through, the salt. I forgot the salt. It made a huge difference in the taste of the waffle. And it ruined breakfast for dinner, which is awful. (laughs) All those ingredients, no matter how big or small, it could be a teaspoon, it could be a tablespoon, it could be a cup of something, they're all needed. And the ingredients that are quite different from one another. Some are wet, some are dry, some taste sweet, some have very little taste at all. All of them combined, they come together to make waffles. They come together to make the recipe work. Each is required. All of the ingredients combined to make something delicious. This morning, we are continuing our series looking at the vision statement of Christ our Redeemer Church. We call the vision statement, we sum up by saying there are four G's. And as you walk in every Sunday, and maybe you haven't looked at them in a while, but they, you know, they're hanging on the columns. Grace, grow, groups, and go. And these four G's sum up who we are and what we want to be in this valley. They give us a picture of, of what it means to be a part of Christ, our Redeemer Community Church. And they give us a picture of who we want to grow into and who God's calling us to And why he's put us here, specifically in this valley, specifically in this building, in this neighborhood. We want to be a community of grace, living in response to the grace that God has shown us through his son, Jesus. We want to grow in faith. We don't want to be who we used to be. We want to look more and more like Jesus as we continue to pursue him in our daily lives, as we continue to experience his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness. We want to go. We don't make a difference for Jesus in the world around us. We want other people to know this incredible grace. We want other people to grow in who they were created to be. We want them to know the creator of the universe and what he's done for them. And we want to do this in groups. We're not going to do this on our own. We do this in community. We weren't meant to go it alone. And so like the ingredients of waffles, just in case you were wondering what the waffle thing was about, like the ingredients of waffles, we're better together. We believe that we experience grace, we grow in faith, and we go wherever God is calling us best in community, in groups. God uses community to mold us and shape us to look more like Jesus. God speaks to us through community. God challenges us through community. We get a fuller picture of God's salvation, of what God's done for us in Jesus through community. God calls us, God confirms calls on our life in community. We need each other. The majority of scripture is written to community. It it was an expectation in scripture that these passages would be read in community with other people, not by yourself laying in bed at night or early in the morning with a cup of coffee, which is a fine way to read scripture, but they were speaking to community. The apostle Paul spends a lot of time in his letters instructing people how to live in community. 
We're not meant to go it alone. We're not created to go it alone. We're created for community. The first chapter of Genesis is this beautiful poem of God creating the world. He creates kingdoms, the, the light and dark, the sky and sea, the land, and, and then God places kings in those kingdoms, the sun and the moon, the, the birds and the, the fish, animals and man. God made the kingdoms. God placed the kings. God is the king of kings, the one who holds everything together. And, and every time God creates something, if you remember, he declares it good. He's satisfied with what he's created until he creates man. And he sees that man is alone. And so this isn't good. And so he creates woman to be with man. We were created for community. We were not created to be alone. We need each other. We were made to be in community with the creator of the universe, and we're made to be in community with each other. God has rescued us and redeemed us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he's done that for us individually. But maybe more than that, our salvation is communal. Through Jesus, God has brought us into his family. He's gathered a people for himself. A people who, who don't look anything alike, may not think anything alike, may not act anything alike, but he's brought us together. We are his. So our salvation is not meant for us to experience on our own. And if you're experiencing it on your own, you're missing out on what God has for you. It's meant to be lived out and experienced with others. We need each other. We are created for each other. It is in community that we learn forgiveness. We learn sacrifice. We learn grace. And we learn love. Our God is a God of community. We as 21st century Westerners, we like to believe that we can be self-reliant. We can go it alone. We can do it ourselves. We don't need others. And let's be honest, it's easier that way. Because people, and I include myself in this, are a hot mess. But because of how culture has shaped us and influenced us, we, we see through a lens of self being higher than community. So we have like the myth of the pioneer blazing his own trail as he heads out west, the rugged individual changing the world, the self-reliant pulling themselves up by their bootstraps to achieve greater. And these dominate our culture. This influences the way we see everything, we do everything. We are taught this from a young age. We are our own person. And because of this, because of the lens in which we view the world, because of the culture that we're born in, because of the water that we swim in, sometimes we miss out on when God's speaking to community. We miss the importance of community and what God has for us in community. If we're honest, the truth is we can't go it alone. And we weren't meant to. That's the good news. We were created for community. And God uses this community to, to teach us about himself and grow us into who he is calling us to be. God works in community over and over and over again. And it's okay to admit life in community is hard. People are messy. I am messy. You are messy. Being in community risks being hurt, being disappointed, being let down, being vulnerable, 
and somebody taking advantage of that vulnerability. But yet God continues to call us into his community. He continues to call us into the mess that he loves and he is redeeming. Life in community is hard, and that's why God spends so much time in his word teaching us how to live in community. If it were easy, if we all got along, if we didn't have any problems, scripture would be written about something else. It would be full of instructions about how to do other things. But if you notice, a lot of scripture is how do we deal with each other? What are we doing with all these people? So if you're struggling with people, if you aren't sure how you fit in in this family of God has adopted you into, uh, you're not alone. Scripture is full of people that were frustrated with other people and were frustrating to other people. And there's instructions there for what we need to do and why. The Apostle Paul tells us what life in God's family should look like. And it's a high call life in this community, but when we live it out, when we preach the gospel to one another through our actions and our words, we preach the gospel to one another and to the world around us. It makes a difference. These people who have no business being together, who don't have much in common except for Jesus, now living out the gospel together makes an impact. It made an impact 2,000 years ago, and it makes an impact on the world today. So we're going to take a look back at the, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Paul starts this section in chapter 3 saying, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And I want to make sure you hear that. I want to stop right there. Paul is describing Christ's followers in Colossae, but he's also describing us. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Are those words you would use to describe yourself? Are those words that you would use to describe those and community around you. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. The beautiful truth of the gospel is those words describe us accurately, even if we don't feel like they do. And they don't describe us accurately because of how amazing we are and all the incredible things we've done. They describe us accurately because of who our God is and what he has done for us through Jesus. God dearly loves us. He's shown that over and over again, culminating in Jesus coming to rescue us from our sin and to establish his kingdom. He dearly loves us, yes, us, who are sinful, who make a mess of our life, who trip over our own feet, who do wrong, sometimes on purpose, who are selfish and rude, and mean, who disobey just for the sake of disobeying some days. God loves us and all the mess that we are. God loves us through Jesus. He has made us holy, and he is making us holy, and he will make us holy. God is making us who we were created to be. Not because we're so amazing, not because we show this amazing potential that God wants to invest in, but because God dearly loves us and has called us to himself. He has made a people. He has made a community. He has gathered us to himself through Jesus, and he's adopted us into his family. We're dearly loved by God. 
And he's rescued us through Jesus and put us in community. Paul starts with the gospel because that is where life in God's community starts. We've been rescued by God and brought into his family. And now we, who've been rescued by God, have to start living as a family together. We have to learn to live with each other, learn to, to love each other, and through our lives together, preach the gospel to each other and to the world around us and bring more into this family. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we're called to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, really easy stuff. We're holy and dearly loved. This is how the creator of the universe feels about us. The God who made the stars uh, I mean, millions of light years away. The God who made intricate cells. The God who made beauty in mountains and in beaches. This is how God feels about us. And because of this, because we're dearly loved, because we've been rescued by Jesus, we are to wrap ourselves like a big winter coat with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Being a part of this family God's brought us into should humble us. We know how big of a mess we are. We know how little we deserve of what God has so freely given us. But in response to this great love, we want to foster a mindset of compassion, of humility, of kindness. The state of our heart guides our interactions with others who are in God's family. We don't treat each other by what we deserve. Nor do we want others, if we're honest, to treat us by what we deserve. Or what a miserable family we would be. Instead, we have in mind what God's done for us. Sending Jesus to live, die, and rise from the grave for us so that we could become God's chosen people, so that he could bring us into his family. This changes how we see ourselves, and this changes how we see others. We are outsiders graciously brought in, beggars given the best seat at the table. We are the broken who are being made whole. In response to God's great love for us, we treat others as God has treated us with kindness, with gentleness, compassion, and humility. We don't treat others based off of who we are or even who they are. We treat others based off of who our God is and what God has done for us. That's where it starts, and we live in response to Him. He has loved us. He has shown us grace. He has given His life for us. He has bared with us. The story of Scripture is the story of God lovingly bearing with his people over and over again. He's forgiven us. That's what he does. And so now we join the family business of living out that patience, that kindness, that forgiveness to others. We've been brought into this family through grace, and as a people of grace, we want to live that out. God's community shows us who our God is, and our actions reflect our God to the world around us. And this is a high call, and we fail over and over again. And God lavishes his grace on us when we do. We strive to live out life as this beloved community to show who our God is to those who are watching from the outside. So if you need further proof that God's family is full of messy people, let's look at the next section of our passage Uh, 
Paul takes time to, to call us to bear with one another and to forgive one another. And, and you don't do that for people who don't need to be bared with, bore with, I don't know how to say that, uh, or forgiven. Right? We're, we're sinful. We're broken. We hurt other people. If we were easy to get along with, if we were drama-free and tolerable, then Paul would have written about something else. And it's easy, and if I'm being honest, when I read these words or as we hear these words, it's easy to think about somebody else. I go, God, that's who you meant. Because you know what? They're kind of a pain to bear with. And man, they need forgiveness. But you know what? Let's be honest. Someone's likely hearing these words, and they're thinking of you. <laughs> we are being made to look, look more like Jesus, but in the meantime, we struggle with sin and can be frustrating to deal with. So we need people that love us not based off of us, but based off of God, and to bear with us and to forgive us as we bear with them, as we forgive them, as we work together to show Jesus to each other. We're called to forgive one another because we will sin and hurt each other. We act selfishly. We speak cruelly. We fail to live up to what God has called us to. We will all need to be forgiven by those we hurt and forgive those who have hurt us. And that's not because we're such principled and great people, but it's because we've experienced this amazing forgiveness that God's given us that we don't deserve. And so then we offer it to others. We know what it's like to be a mess, and we know what it is for God to reach in and forgive us and welcome us into his family. God's family is full of messy people like me, full of messy people like you who will hurt, others, hurt each other and need to be forgiven and need to offer that forgiveness. And again, we don't bear with each other. We don't forgive one another because we're such great people. And we want people to look at us and say, man, you guys, just so patient with those other people. We do it in response to what God's done for us. Our God, who is such a great God, who has shown us mercy when we don't deserve mercy. Shown us grace and lavished his love upon us. And so living in community reminds us of who our God is. reminds us of the gospel. Reminds us of the forgiveness that we have experienced, that God has given to us. Reminds us who we are. God's family is to put on love, which binds us all together. We're called to love one another again, not because we're so incredible, so worthy of love, such perfect, beautiful people. We're called to love because God has loved us. And we live in response to that love. In God's family, that man or woman that I'm interacting with, that I'm frustrated with, that has hurt me, is deeply loved by God. That person who helped me or who hurt me, who was kind to me or was mean to me, they're loved by the creator of the universe. So I want to love them because I want to love what God loves. And it's not easy, and it's certainly not easy for God. But we want to follow who our God is. Life in God's community is hard. God's family is full of broken people who God is making whole. And it's in community that God helps us to grow, helps us to become more whole. And in this community, we get a beautiful picture of who our God is. And we're reminded of all that he's done for us. God's family, as messy as it is, shows the world who our God is and what his gospel is about. We need each other. God intended it that way. God created us for community. In community, we, we learn more about who our God is, and we learn more about who our God is calling us to be. 
So one of the ways that we practice community here at Christ our Redeemer Community Church is through our community groups. Uh, groups are important to us. They're one of our four Gs. We say that groups are our primary organization, and that's a fancy way of saying this is where life happens at the church. Our groups are where we practice intentional community on a weekly basis, studying Scripture together, sharing life together, and serving with one another. And our community groups meet throughout the week, throughout the Roanoke Valley, and have too many stories to share this morning of the life change that, that I've seen it happen through these communities. God has brought people into his family through these groups. We, we've seen the challenge to forgive lived out. We've celebrated engagements, weddings, births, job promotions. We've mourned together through tragedy, death, and sickness. We've lifted each other up in prayer and supported one another. We've challenged and celebrated one another. The gospel is lived out in these communities on a weekly basis. And God's blessed these groups, and he's done some amazing things through them. I've experienced being forgiven by group members that I hurt in these groups. I've experienced forgiving group members who have hurt me in these groups. I've seen the gospel lived out in my living room on Tuesday nights. So if you're not currently in a group, please come talk to me because you're missing out. I would love to see you become a part of one of these communities because you're, you're missing out on a fuller picture of the gospel, and that group is missing out because you're not there. We were created for community. In community, we experience the love of God. We can't go it alone. We're not meant to. And community is a risk. It's hard to be vulnerable, to be real, but so many times God rewards that risk by showing up and doing incredible things. And if you join a group, think you're going to see God work in your life and in the midst of that group in incredible ways and in small ways to make you look more like Jesus. Our scripture this morning finishes with the Apostle Paul's reminder to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We are members of one body, we are one family, and we're to practice peace. We are seeking God together, living out his gospel Together, our call is to love one another, to forgive one another, to bear with one another because of what God has done for us through Jesus. And we do this together by seeking Christ with each other and letting his peace rule among us. And whatever we do, whatever we say, we strive to do it all in the name of Jesus. We strive to have our actions as a community reflect who our God is. We want to grow as a bigger community and as smaller communities, as a people that honor Jesus, pursue Jesus, and look to him in all that we say and all that we do. And as we do this, and we do it imperfectly, we grow in the grace and love of God, and we show this grace, this gospel to each other and to this world around us. So I'll say again, if you are not in a group this morning, please come talk to me. I believe on the information table, there's a list of groups. You're missing out, and that group is missing out with you not there. So what community is God using in your life? Where are you intentionally plugging in so that you can experience his love and his grace? You can't do it alone, and that's good news because you weren't meant to. If you were trying to do it alone and failing, it's because you weren't made to do it that way. So let's try something different.
seek out community and experience all that God has for you in it. We come together this morning to the communion table where we eat a family meal together. Like we talked about earlier, families so often are defined by the food they eat at different occasions, and this is our family meal that tells our story of who our God is. This table is for all who follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's God's family table, and like many families, when we gather around it, we tell again what God has done for us through Jesus. When we eat this bread, when we drink this cup, we remember who our God is and what he's done for us and who we are. And so many times in Scripture, the word remember, uh, it's not just, oh, that was a nice memory we had, but it means to act. We're reading the Exodus story this morning. God remembers his promise. God remembers his people. So what does God do? He acts. So here we take this. We remember, and this meal pushes us forward and closer to Jesus as we follow him this week.